Hey, it's Keen. Welcome back to the workroom. Thank you so much, as always, for being here, for supporting the show. We love to see it, and we are incredibly appreciative of spending time hanging out in the workroom, having your little corner, setting up shop there. We see you. We appreciate you. Thank you very much for being here. This episode is part one of two with Melanie Morris, in which the two of us get into the weeds of Drag Race France season one, so the one that aired last year. Um, It was a really, really fun chat. I popped over to Melanie's house which is gorgeous by the way and yeah we got into all the queens all the different challenges etc so in this episode you are going to hear our thoughts of kind of the format at general in general and all the queens and then next week you'll hear our thoughts on the individual challenges and then our overall sort of final opinion of the season so I hope you enjoyed. In mean, in the meantime, please reach out on the Instagram page, Pod. Let us know what international franchises you are watching, because um, that will inform what order I will do them, because I want to make sure you have something to listen to once you are finished. But for now, let's get into the episode with Melanie Morris. It is a new day in the workroom. And Melanie, you're back to discuss Drag Race France season one. I'm delighted to have you back. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. <laughs> um, yeah, so so we're covering season one of France, which came out last year because I never got around to it. And actually, season two is out now at the moment. So I saw that. And I think I might actually be rolling into it. All right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so high level criticism or favor of this. Did you like it? I did. With reservations. Okay, tell me your, your reservation. My, <laughs> may, plural, s'il vous plaît. Um, there was a lot of Billy Barry action going on. There was a lot of singing and dancing their way through what would be less scripted bits or less performed bits. Okay. And so, for example... Coming into the workroom, or were they calling it the workshop, or the showroom, or the studio room? They'd another name. The for atelier, it. I think they called it at one point. Or did they call it the atelier? At one point, but um, I think they kept calling it the workshop. All the right. workshop, that's it, because yeah. I noticed the you know the the captions. It, it didn't sound as good it as the workroom. No, the no, workshop. It didn't. No. Uh, but what did I think? So when they'd come in at the beginning, it's a new day in the workroom, mm-hmm. and they had these ridiculously embarrassing choreographed moves so it might have been mission impossible or it might have been hopscotch or jumping each other's backs or whatever it was and that just really annoyed me because it's just too fabricated yeah forced like no if you're a drag queen you don't need to force it Mm -hmm. like you should be gifted with this joie de vivre or whatever else you want to call it so that was number one number two um whenever nikki uh, Nikki Dahl, our host, who I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll discuss in a moment, when he came on the screen at the beginning of uh, you know each episode, they all had this ridiculous cockadoodle-doo shite yeah, that they get, yeah. that really annoyed me. And then when Nikki would appear at the top of the stairs, they'd chant. So any occasion they could turn it into a whooping Billy Barry Kid song and dance number, it was contemporary, a bit late, late toy show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the one bit that I did get sick of is, like, I know the silence is, you know, a classic trope of it now, but this was so forced. You could clearly see the producers be like, okay, can you talk over each other now? And then Nikki would, like, skulk to the left, skulk to the right, and then say her silence, and I was like, 
really eight episodes in now. We don't, we don't need to keep doing this. I I absolutely agree. That was another one I actually wrote down as one of my peeves. Um, and also, what's worse is when you see the translation up on the captions or whatever it's even worse because the shite they're talking is it's not even entertaining you know they'd be better saying rhubarb 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 you know we'd we'd buy into it more and I thought it was sad because I think there was a lot for the series I thought the queens were amazing Mm -hmm. really really liked them I thought they were a troupe magnifique (laughs) That's probably about as far as we're going to go. Yeah, I, I asked you before we started recording how you were, how good is your French? And I answered you by saying that when I was at uh, school, I was requested not to keep going with French because I was sort of messing with the high averages of the success of the Leaving Search years. What a way to knock your confidence. So I was steered into Mr. Connachton's Spanish class instead. Oh, what, last minute Spanish? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! So I'm much better at me Espanol uh, than okay. I am at si, me si, Francais, si. but I'll give it a lash anyway. <laughs> I mean, not that I I was okay at French, but I didn't uh, I didn't pick up that much on this. But it was still you know still better than you know Philippines, where I didn't know what was going on most of the time. There were a lot of pluses for okay. it. I thought the quality of guests they had was amazing. Yes, my little heart skipped a beat when I saw John Paul Gaultier. In the first one, I thought the challenges were great. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great to see a mini challenge in pretty much every episode, yeah, I think. Yeah, they kind of stopped it by episode seven, I think. But other than that, they had all the way up. You know, that was pretty good. And I thought the the, the queens were great. And I obviously, as you pointed out very, very early on when we were talking about this, you know, the fashion was, the, the style was just out of this world. Yeah. For an international franchise, I think it was maybe one of the best um, but I guess we will get there. How did you think Nikki Doll fared? Amazingly good. Because I wasn't a Nikki Doll fan in season 12. Okay. I just thought Nikki Doll was a bit lights on, no one home. <laughs> and like. Turns out she's been in there the whole time. <laughs> what a surprise. Kel Surprise. <laughs> um, no, I, I I, mean, he's a lash. I mean, he's a good looking lad, uh, as they say. Um, but I. I thought he fared really, 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 really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was very engaging. I thought his interview skills were excellent. Um, I thought he kind of held the show together really, really well. I agree. The only critique I would have, like, there's nothing you can do about this, is I did feel the contestants looked at Nikki as a peer rather than a matriarch. Yes, Yes, you're right. Especially when they're whooping Nikki, Nikki yeah. at the top of the yeah. stairs. And look, it's difficult in some of in some of the franchises, especially like when they pull a Rue girl to front these shows. But I always felt that level of respect towards Brooklyn, you know. And I think I can't remember the name of the host uh, of Philippines, but I think they definitely Paolo. had Paolo uh, Balaceros. Mm. Uh, they definitely had that level, you know. And I think whereas. You know, I think Supreme in Spain definitely has it. So I think that was the one thing that was missing. The Nikki was a big sister, not a mama. Yeah. 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 It kind of felt like, you know, she won the season before almost or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The homecoming queen, the yeah. Rose of Tralee back again. And also, you know, in the episode, I think it was episode five when Nikki came in with the head of Mullity, Moulet Dreadlocks. Oh, yeah. And they were kind of slagging him a bit. <laughs> Oh, you're Moulet. I think that was the same episode where they they went and all, they all thanked Nikki on the runway. Was it? No, episode six. They all thanked Nikki. Like we're so happy that you know you're here and yes, you sort of like sister us through this competition and you know wishes 
again, like you wouldn't thank RuPaul for being there. You'd thank RuPaul for letting you be there. You it's know? a bit familiar. <laughs> yeah, it is it's a, a bit, bit familiar. familiar. Yeah. yeah, it's like calling your teacher Maybe by her Christian name. Maybe they were using two and not boo, you know? Maybe there was that lack of respect. I think there was a lot of two going on. <laughs> Or a lot of to do. <laughs> uh, the guest, uh, or sorry, the, the permanent judges, Kitty Smile and Daphne Berkey. Thoughts? Loved Daphne. I thought Daphne was an intelligent woman who mm-hmm. knew what she was talking about. Kitty, Kitty was a bit of an old bitch. <laughs> Wasn't he? There was. Or they, Kitty would be a they, wouldn't he? I would guess so. Yeah. Wouldn't he? <laughs> He'd sorry. be a they now, wouldn't he? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'll get into it. I don't know. I actually don't, generally don't know their pronouns, but I would guess. So. Well, with all of the ballroom scene and the voguing yeah. and the everything else. I mean, and that was interesting because, you know, I obviously we wouldn't have known who Kitty... Is Wikipedia, is he him? So. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting to see his background because mm-hmm. it, it did add a little bit of weight, but I just thought he was a bit unnecessarily harsh most of the time. I felt that towards... And not just him, I felt, the, and we'll get to her, but like, I had a bit of an issue with the critiques towards Lolita Banana at times. I have, I have an issue with everyone against Lolita Banana. Yeah, and I think he was kind of the most vocal about that. Like at one point saying, we want to see more France in your drag, I thought was disrespectful. Do you think he'd run out of things to say? Yeah, I don't know, maybe. I, th- I felt Kitty smile. <laughs> the most yeah. ironically named yeah. man in the world. Um, I thought he was just a little bit of uh, an empty space. Yeah. Um, I didn't, like, I thought he had a fun smirk and stuff like that, but I, I never really, I kind of felt the same with Daphne too. I never really took them as a voice of authority. I think Daphne knew her shit about fashion mm. because of her Dior connections. Yeah. Um, because I, I, they she didn't actually stylist, say right? what she did for Dior. I thought she was a designer. Or, oh, I thought she was a stylist, but maybe I'm getting confused. With which guests. actually I found really weird because I know from Image magazine, yeah. um, where I've worked for a long, long time, if ever there was an Irish person that might be, you know, Mary Murphy, who's working in Marc Jacobs as a designer, mm-hmm. and you'd go and chase them up for an interview... Um, the designers or those working in the atelier or creative yeah. world weren't allowed to do interviews. Okay. So I'm very curious as to how Daphne was allowed use Dior. Well, her wiki says television presenter, columnist, stylist and actress. So okay. I think she was a stylist for Dior. And Does that make her more likely to do interviews? Uh, well, if she's a freelance <laughs> stylist, absolutely. Yeah. So if she's a stylist who happened to do runway shows for Dior as well as everyone else yeah. who might have done a bit of work, um, that would be fine. But I got the way she was announced. Yeah. I thought she was an employee of Christian Dior. Yeah. I got to get the best she used to be. Well, considering if they're put, she's putting TV presenter ahead yeah. of stylist. <laughs> It kind of explains before it's where, Yes, maybe she wasn't as good as the stylist. <laughs> she had nice hair, though. She did, and she had some. Good, I I liked what she wore more than I liked Kitty. I, I just think that there was a little bit more substance to her critique, mm. whereas I felt Kitty was just literally going with the wind. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, they had the pit crew in berets. I mean, the way they the the root oneness of how they you know. Embrace the culture of these countries of their own culture. Offensive. I really, I really don't feel the French people involved there were like, we need an Eiffel Tower as the entrance to the workroom. I really feel that's RuPaul or something like that. I liked that. 
I liked it too, but it's just... It's it's the windmills in Holland. It's I mean they don't have a Tower of Pisa in the Italian workroom, but it's just I don't know. I find it's a bit on the nose. Well, the only thing I would say, Keen, for somebody who watches as much Drag Race as you do, and I'm beginning to, it's kind of nice to have a ready identifier. So <laughs> where you know, am okay. I? Oh, there's the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> yeah, I'm back in the room. I know which series I'm watching again. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, it, it does, does help. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to go through the queens in rever- in order of elimination. Mm-hmm. So let's go with the first queen to be eliminated, which was the Kahina, who it was 29 from Paris, but originally from Tunis. She entered the workroom and burnt her hand. Like- I was going to say threw a few flames around. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, were you disappointed to see her go first? I was, because I think there was an interesting story there. We began to get the beginning of it, that she... Um, was from a Muslim culture, mm-hmm. which I think could have got a bit more mileage yeah. in the in the workroom, um, as well as her drag. I'd, I'd like to have seen more of yeah. her, definitely. Although she did throw a lot of flames around <laughs> episode one. I think we saw that act twice. We did. We saw an entrance and then she did it again in the talent show. I think it's her party piece. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, that's a good party piece. It's impressive. Yeah, I don't know how she did it. Don't do that at the wed- no. wedding this weekend. <laughs> I won't. The, I totally agree with you. I wanted to hear more from her. I thought she had a really, uh, you know, different point of view and drag that we hadn't had before. You know, France has such a, I'm not going to say rich history, but like, you know, a history of immigration from Northern Africa and how mm. that's like entangled itself into French culture. I wanted to see that reflected in drag and I felt... That we were kind of, you know, lacking it. The fact that she went home first. Lova Ladiva, who went out second. I would have rather her go home first. Oh my God, Lova Ladiva. Poor old. was a bit of a tool. And I feel really bad for your... Is that (laughs) T-U-L-L-E? I feel really bad for her spondiosis or whatever the... I think it's a back condition that she had. And for her... Well, we'll probably be talking about the talents in due course... Um, she was kicked out in uh, episode two, but mm. in episode one, she actually didn't have a talent because she just banged on about her um, condition. Mm-hmm. She had nothing going for her. Yeah, they kept saying she was like this old school, she was like a panto dame sort of camp drag thing, but like... She was old school Darien Lake to me. Yeah. It, it wasn't, it wasn't elevated enough. Like it wasn't, it wasn't Cash Davis. It was old school. Yeah. You know, yeah. It wasn't, perp- I didn't feel purposeful camp old school. It just kind of felt old school. You, she's the kind of, this is harsh to say, but anyway, you know, that she just go into a bar in Paris and there's a dusty old drag queen in a corner banging out some torch songs. Yeah. It's <laughs> love I'm not against it. No, quickly. but yeah. she, she, she's not top top tier no and it was difficult to know her point of view in drag as well yeah i i would have i just i was more interested in that kahina for sure there was no usp yeah no there wasn't no um eighth then was la brioche who i did really like um she was the you know Great for France to have a trans woman straight out the gate in the first season. I thought she had a really sort of kooky style and drag. I appreciated that they blurred her nipples because nipples are a very controversial topic amongst trans people because once you transition, your nipples either go from supposed to be blurred to not blurred or vice versa. Oh, that's a very good point. Um, so the fact that they tr- blurred her nipples was treating her the way for, at her assigned gender, which I thought was interesting. Well, the French are good for that kind yeah. of thing, aren't they? <laughs> they are. <They're> very considerate. <laughs> But 
what I thought, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like, she didn't have great fashion, is all I'll say. I think she wanted to be Victoria Scone. Yeah. But she was nowhere near. No. Um, I also have to say I found her sincerity really endearing. I found her such a nice person. And I cried when she was eliminated. Oh, I wow. felt her elimination speech. It's the only time I've cried for an, at an elimination Always good to have her first. Um, And I just think she was a genuine person. Mm. Everybody loved her. I think all the judges loved her. Kitty didn't like her. Oh, Kitty just... Kitty was a bit... I think Kitty was like, we have a problem there with the taste. I think that's what Kitty said. (laughs) As he frosted up... Classic Kitty. His hair loopy, (laughs) braidy things. Um, Well, I just... I actually... As I say, I cried when she left. And I just thought she had a, a good big heart. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't really know what more I was hoping to get from her in the competition. I feel maybe it was right for her to go, but I did really like her and I want to hang out with her. She probably left at the right time. Yeah, Mm. I think so too. But like a different point of view in drag had a very sort of like kind of, you know, really heart-wrenching coming out story that she shared with us the singing was quite good on the talent show it was grand yeah well yeah it was yeah. good grand <laughs> um, <Stay bold. laughs> and yeah interesting character not interesting not good for a competition show I don't think. probably left at the right time yeah, you know that thing always leave the party before people kick you out yeah i think it so was that too. kind of thing um, because I think if she'd stayed on, I think people would have got fed up with her. So I think she left at the perfect time. Mm. Somebody who I think was gone too soon was seventh position, Cam Hugh. Who was my favourite? Yeah? Yeah. Tell me more why. Um, well, I actually, the first thing I wrote down the minute Cam came into the workroom was pheromone. And I'm, oh, yeah. then I was, I laughed then when she was read as being pheromone yeah, yeah, yeah. in the reading um, challenge. challenge. But uh, I thought she was kind of pheromone's Courtney Act and Trixie Mattel's love child. Uh, I thought her aesthetic mm-hmm. was fantastic. She's 22. So obviously, I'm guessing, was a bit of a lockdown drag queen. Yeah. She has 147,000 followers lo- on them. I'm a, a big hard on for Excel and you've got a printed Excel spreadsheet out there in front of me. So I've done my, you my are swatting. <laughs> um, number one guest. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she's the second highest Instagram following on Instagram of, of, of the queens. Um, I Does think that include she, Nikki? Uh, I didn't look up Nikki, okay. actually. Who was better than her? Who was um, Paloma? Uh, La Grande Dame, oh, okay. who was using that as one of her kind of USPs when yeah, she came yeah. in, I've got the biggest following. Yeah. So La Grande Dame already had the biggest following, Cam Hugh. Cam Hugh. I, Cam Hugh, what's that a pun of? Or, and they were calling her Hugh or something like oh, that. Oh, you're right. Cam Hugh. No, Cam... Cam Hugh. Are we saying something really Cam rude? Cam Hugh. <laughs> Without realising yeah. it. <laughs> we just, are we saying cunt or something? I don't yeah, know. something really naughty. Yeah, they keep saying Cam Hugh. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. She had the most amazing, those gorgeous pink Versace shoes. Yes. In her um, opening number. Uh, she was actually the first queen in. Yeah, she was. And all of her looks, I absolutely loved. And in fact, all of them I asterisked as my favourite in the four episodes that she was in. I'm sure she'll appear on an All-Stars. I think so. She definitely has the... She has the wardrobe for All-Stars, for sure. And I thought there was a bit of lemon about her. Remember Lemon was Lemon mm. from Canada? Yeah. Yeah, there was a bit of lemon there. 
a blonde okay. princess. Yeah, I mean, I can see that for sure. She's more quiet than Lemon, but I think. Uh, but the looks. Yeah, the looks. They were, were great. very polished. They were very polished. Very, almost like Gigi Good or something like that. There was like it was it was a real. She's obviously been reading fashion magazines for a long time, and must have somebody who pays, or maybe yeah. herself pays for very expensive mm. wardrobe, but. It was it was gorgeous, and it was always high femme as well. It wasn't kind of like gender and drudge gender. It was always yeah. gowns and frills, and yeah, and immaculately her styling. You know, the hair was always immaculate, the jewelry was always immaculate, yeah. the makeup. And actually, if you look at her Instagram page now, her makeup has gone a lot more elaborate okay. and a lot more kind of fantasy, um, and it's fab, lovely. Yeah, did you enjoy her banana peel song? I want to do that as my um so i can't sing i can't speak french and i can't sing and for years i used to get away with telling a story with a table napkin about a chicken crossing the road and getting killed and by the time i'd finished the story the table napkin looked like a chicken hanging up in a butcher shop oh wow and then i exhausted that one so i had to get another party piece so i learned how to make balloon animals oh cool and then I got bored with that. So I've been looking for a new party now, how piece. how often are you at a party where you're like, well, I mean, I can make a balloon animal design. I have some long, bendy balloons in here. We are recording this podcast in my house. And if you want, I will go down and get my kit. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's very visual. I don't think it'd be very good over a podcast, but I might take you up when we're finished. Hey, come up and see my balloon animals <laughs> yeah. sometime. Anyway, I think she peeled herself out of a fuzzy banana. Yeah. And I thought that was genius. <laughs> it was it was kind of just just batching enough to work. Next time you see me, Keen. Yeah. <laughs> In the banana peel costume. <laughs> Let's move on to sixth place. The miscongeniality of the bunch was ellipse. I didn't get ellipse. Um, I would say as a summary, I would agree with you. Um, the I thought she did really well at snatch game. I don't know why they they didn't give her the win. I thought she was great at snatch game. I thought some of her makeup looks were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't. She did. She didn't float my boat. She was yeah. kind of just a mid range queen. There was definitely an element of finesse that was missing from her. Like mm-hmm. I kind of felt she was always going for this gender androgyny sort of style. I remember there was like the full like tartan outfit that she was wearing, a like kind of jumpsuit thing. And it just didn't fit her right or like it was missing some accessories or something like that. There was just, I think she needed more time to find herself or something like that. There was, I'm just seeing how old, she was 25. Yeah, from Bordeaux. There's something about her. I, I don't know. It was almost as though she was late called up to Drag Race. And okay. that she didn't, hadn't got her looks thought out enough. Or maybe it was a financial thing yeah, that she was easily. trying to make looks stretch. Mm. I don't know what it was, but I just didn't get her. And I don't know why she won Miss Congeniality, but that might have just been something I missed. Yeah, the, uh, it could be behind the scenes. I, I was actually, surprised it was her. I thought it would be like Big Bertha. I thought it might have been Brioche. Oh yeah, or her yeah, our lovely trans lady who yeah. made me cry. You know who who was a sort of a mother to the group. Yeah, exactly. And as she was, was Big Bertha, so smiley, and you could imagine like she gives great hugs. Completely. What she'd want from Miss Geniality. Now look, maybe Ellipse is a killer hugger as well, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, like there are too many angles on her for hugs. <laughs> yeah, she's too pointy. <laughs> like Ellipse really 
you you get the the the, the smell of the chum in the water when it, when you see a queen who's like you're you're soon to be gone and she hung around longer than I thought she was she was could not agree with you more absolutely I thought she might have been in a week three mm-hmm. sayonara but and anyway. then she did well in snatch game and I was like oh maybe maybe this is you know like a um what's her name uh, UK season three, Elle of a Day, who like was under the radar and then did really well and sort of ascended up. I was like, okay, when I saw the Snatch Game, I was like, that was actually mm. very good. When she played Chantal Le um, like you could really like, you know, get, I don't know who these people are. So I mean, could only guess based on how she inhabited this person. But like she took on the voice and the mannerisms of somebody totally different to herself. And I was like, oh, maybe this is her moment. And then they didn't even give her the win. So yeah. I was like, even the production that want her to go far. So... Well, she she hung around like a bad smell. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't she do well for herself? She did. Yeah. Actually, how many Instagram followers? Oh, yeah. How's the lips doing on the gram? Uh, 67,000. Okay. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Who's the lowest? Our lowest followers because I can't find La Cahina on Instagram. So I don't know if she's on it or not. Our lowest is, surprise, surprise, Lova Ladiva. Okay. Because she's probably stuck. <laughs> Yeah. In, in her gay bar in a corner somewhere, <laughs> yeah. crooning out torch songs and hasn't got around to the way. Um, Anyhow. Yes, okay. That makes sense. One of the first out. Uh, let's move on to fifth place then. I think this is kind of, you know, when you when you get to this top five, it felt like the, a fair top five. Like they all felt pretty strong, I mm-hmm. felt. And like you could have an argument that Cam Hugh would have been, you know, good enough to match any of these as well. Yeah. Um, but La Big Bertha was fifth. What did you think of her? What did you think of her? I liked her. I thought she was very affable. I, I I imagine she was great fun to hang out with. I appreciated her statements on plus sizeness and how she incorporated that into her drag. I appreciated the gimmick of having a reveal almost every runway. I didn't always love what she wore. No. Um... I could definitely see her trying and some concepts and stuff like that. But I think in terms of like a drag queen who can make you think or can channel like the human experience into art, I think she's really good at that. I really liked Big Bertha as a person. Big Bertha is a bearded drag queen, Mm -hmm. we should add, so people can envisage her in Mm -hmm. their mind. And she's a big gal. Um, And she talks about food all the time. But yeah, she wanted a cooking challenge. I thought that was quite funny, though. It was funny. And when she was kicked out, she said, you see, if you'd done a cooking challenge, <laughs> I'd have stayed. I think Big Bertha has a problem that I suffer from, which is verbal diarrhea. Okay. And I think Big Bertha needs to learn to shut up sometimes. <laughs> and I, you know the way you all, things that you see in other people that annoy you are things yes. that you have yes. yourself. So... There were two. I thought there were more, but in fact, I went back to look and Big Bertha was the talking head after two queens departed. Okay. One in episode five and one in episode six. And I actually had to transcribe the oh, shite please. that Big Bertha give it rabbited to me, give on. It to me. So when Cam, Hugh, Cam, Hugh, or whatever. Hugh, yeah. Thank you very much. When Cam, Hugh, was kicked out. Big Bertha said, Big Bertha, who's been a drag queen for 12 years, is obviously a stalwart Mm -hmm. on the scene and is 36. Of Cam Hugh 22 says, Cam, you always had advice for us. 
I'll just leave that there. Okay. Could and be then, makeup tips because I mean, it could have been makeup tips. And on in episode six on ellipse, obviously, Big Bertha had nothing to say about ellipse. <laughs> so says the following. Ellipse is a truly multifaceted and remarkable artist. You never know where you are going to see her next. <laughs> but just because she doesn't have any work coming. <laughs> and I actually thought that Big Bertha would actually get a really good job engraving headstones. <laughs> and coming up with the bon mot to say but about... But imagine the girl of putting that on a headstone. Oh, R.I.P. Tommy. You never know when you'll see him next. Ian <laughs> Sullivan, a truly multifaceted <laughs> and remarkable <laughs> artist. You always had advice. <laughs> it's the kind of stuff you could apply to anyone. Yeah. And I think poor old Big Bertha, I think Big Bertha is an empath. Yeah. I think Big Bertha gets everybody else's stuff on... His very big manly shoulders. I think he's a really nice guy, but I think maybe he's just a bit too nice. And he was a great man for a staged piece. I felt an awful lot of the emotive stuff coming out of Big Bertha. And we're probably going to talk more about this in a bit. The cancer survivor aspect, is it? I'd forgotten that. But yes, now you say it. And, you know, his last um, lip sync battle, which became a duet. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... The last one, the one with Lolita, yeah. His oh yeah, his, oh yeah, you're right. His yeah, last yeah. one, which became a duet. Yeah. You know, all of this, there was an awful lot of emotion. Yeah. Um, and just, I think that's just, Big Bertha is just big, big personality, mm-hmm. big emotions, big words. And B- big, big drag as well. Like, it's always big, like, wasn't there the episode where she didn't like what she had and she didn't do well in the challenge so she made a look at a bin bags. Yeah, I thought that was really good because it was the morning after the night before look yeah. and trailing really a little well. bit. You know, looked really well. I thought Big Bertha was quite unfinished a lot of the time. Yeah, I think so. A lot of her looks, which I would have thought after 12 years in drag, you might have amassed a bigger wardrobe or access to a bigger wardrobe mm. or something. But th- there was always, the makeup was a, li- was a little bit crude. So maybe mm. that was what um, Cam, Cam did. Yeah. You always <laughs> had advice for us. us yeah. Well, maybe you should have taken it. <laughs> um, but however, I would imagine Big Bertha is the sort of drag queen that you would see. I would love to see Big Bertha on the panel of Dancing with the Stars. Oh wow! Okay, interesting. As, as uh, yeah, okay. personality drag yeah. queen. Yeah, I think that's where she'll excel. Like you could imagine going to a broad show to buy a big birthday. It'd be a good old time. I actually have another person candidate for that one. From this this lineup. Yes, I do. Are, are they coming up? They are coming up. They're okay. coming up next. Okay, Lolita Banana. I would love to see you at a drag brunch. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, now she could. She'd be dancing. She'd, oh, she'd be, be dancing. She'd be pouring spitting. the tequila sunrises yeah. with the mimosas from her wig. She would be, she would be great. Um, yeah, I I really liked her. She's obviously now the co-host of Drag Race Mexico. I didn't know that. Um, which I think is interesting alongside Valentina. I thought because of that I thought she would have got top three on this. I, I mean, did you know who won before you watched? No, I no. didn't. I knew who won. That's all I knew, and I knew of the Lolita Big Bertha lip sync because it was like viral after it happened. But that's all I knew. Did it go down well virally? Yeah. I was kind of a bit cringing. Okay. I I bought the emotion from Lolita more than Big Bertha. Yes. Which is back to my point the about The slow, Big sad splits, shaving your head. 
How have you got that before? Well, now, ever since series one, was it Chanel that took off the wig the first time? I don't know who did it first, uh, but, but they, you know, they all, I know BB did it a lot as well. I, I'm, I'm kind of... It's, it's, it's a little bit too, um, look at me, look at me, look at me, I'm angst. Yeah. For me. And shaving your hair, shaving your head. I like it because it's new for the show. Okay, but it's premeditated, so it doesn't mm. really have the emotion, it says me sitting here watching it. <laughs> but, which comes back to my point about La Brioche, I thought was a motion that moved me. And we're going mm. to probably talk a little bit more about guest judges and, and things. But Oliver, I can never pronounce his surname. I know it's pronounced, it looks like it's roosting, but it's Roustin. Oh, yeah, 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 Roustin. Yeah. I think Olivier Roustin, who is the designer for yeah. Balmain. Roustig? Ends in a G anyway. R-O-U-S-T-E-I-G. Roustig? I don't know. I don't know. I'm right. not sure. But uh, he spoke... So passionately and so meaningfully. Mm. La Grande Dame at one stage spoke so well. Nikki Dahl at that stage was chatting. You know, those were real feelings. And I kind of feel what I saw from the lip sync duet as it turned into mm. with Lolita Banana and Big Bertha. I didn't buy. I did. I kind of cried. Did you? You cried? Yeah. And there was me stuck back in episode three having the cry. <laughs> I got a, a single, okay. single tear. I don't know. I just felt the emotion. Like, although I think they both oft, I think they both started performing the emotion, and I think the emotion pivoted into like fear of failure. Well, I, I do that. think Lolita Banana, and actually, it's a good time to mention this, had had a really shit time up until yeah. then. Whether it was in her head or people's approaches to her or a mixture of both mm. she had a really rough so time yeah, the the narrative to this is Lita Banana constantly feels excluded by the rest of the French girls she's felt excluded the whole time you know not the whole time but like she seems to feel like she's never really made it through the, the cliques of France and often feels left out by French people but yet loves France happy to live there not leaving um, has a French husband Oh, I did, missed that. Was there a partner, a French partner? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if it was husband or not, but yeah. yeah. I think, like, definitely happy in France, but finds the French people tough. And then that was mirroring itself in the competition. Now, I don't, I do know personally, myself, like, I work in construction, which is a very machismo industry, and I go places sometimes, and I assume I'm not going to get on with people because we're very different. And I think I entered those spaces with the guard up and not interested in making friends because I just assume I'm not going to get there. And then sometimes when I'm not thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I don't know why I thought that it was obviously me and my shit or whatever I'm bringing to it. I feel there was an aspect of that in this where she was expecting the queens not to embrace her. I agree. And then didn't let them embrace her. I think she manifested it. Yeah. I do. I think she went in there going... I'm, I think, well, didn't they kind of slag her a little bit about, you're Mexican and you're a dancer, you're mm. going to tell us this again. And uh, But I think they did it jokingly nicely slagging, yeah. not really being particularly nasty. No. But I think she is maybe slightly chippy. Now, she's an amazing dancer. Mm-hmm. She's an amazing drag queen. Mm-hmm. The looks are the free, a that hoot. That Frida Kahlo look that she came out with. I loved. They're beautiful. And the morning after one where she produced a glass of milk from her beehive 
<laughs> hairdo. Yeah. She was doing the, the, the drunk mother after the kids party, yes, wasn't which she? Which is a very fun interpretation of that chal- of that runway. And she came out with these huge bunch of helium balloons. Yeah. Can you remember? Yeah, yeah. So she And put, she came out on stilts as well at one point. She did. So there's creativity. Mm-hmm. There is um I mean, she's not a designer. She doesn't design. I don't think so. But everything she did was phenomenal. So it's amazing. But I kind of feel she thinks she got to the next round by the skin of her teeth. But she deserved to, nevertheless. You know, I, yeah. she was a big contradiction in her. She was in her head. Oh, 100%. She seemed yeah. to be in her head the whole time. She does have a breakdown. At one, I think it's episode four because she feels isolated and she feels like she's not doing enough. I think the girls are good at that moment. And they comfort her. I got a bit annoyed later on. So it amused who we haven't got to. At one point it's like. Fucking sick of Alita giving out about us not embracing her. And I was like. Well, you know. You're not. <laughs> you know, whose fault is that? But also. I would imagine. It would probably be kind of hard going in the workroom. If you'd Lolita. Lolita Banana is a small person. With a <coughs> massive, massive personality. Mm. She's probably got Big Bertha's size personality. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine if Lolita Banana is in a bit of a strop in the workroom, you'd know about it. Yeah. So I kind of empathise with So a bit because it's like, it's week whatever, eight, nine. And this is still going on. It's true, but I don't know. I just feel it's a really bad position. Like, as the person with privilege, like the native person, to be like, oh, stop complaining that you don't fit in and just let them fit in. Help them. Now, I don't know. Maybe they did mm. everything behind the scenes and like, she just wasn't willing to accept the help, etc. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be saying that on camera for sure if I was Soa. No. Soa would Soa because Soa is Northern African. I think she's from Martinique. Was that her? She's from yeah, which I think is in the Caribbean. Let me just double check. So I think Martinique is actually like owned by France. But would Soa feel that Soa is also a minority in the French world? Because remember, Olivier was going on about, you are our future. We need you in mm. our future. You are the one who's going to bring the new France to us. Yes. So would Soa feel, hang on, I'm making a big effort here in this cultural melting pot. You need to make more There's definitely effort. So Martinique is basically an island in the Caribbean that belongs to France. So she would be legally French and would have grown up speaking French. So I guess it's probably easier for her to indoctrinate. But of course, it comes with the cultural and the racial you know, stigma mm. that comes with mm. you know, being mm. non-white, etc. So, I like imagine, so I uh, considers herself French, whereas Lolita wouldn't. So yeah. I think maybe, but then that's sad. That's a thing, you know, where the the um, minorities pick on the other minorities and stuff like that rather than boosting them up. So Absolutely. And also, you kind of want all your queens to get, to get, to yeah. get, to get on at a certain yeah, yeah, stage. Yeah. You know, you can have your pantomime... Um, bad people or whatever. Yeah. But your pantomime devils or whatever they are. But at the end of the day, you kind you of want, want to there out. to be a, a bit yeah. of love. Yeah. I honestly think Lolita had the package of a winner. But she just ended up fourth because she hadn't actually won a challenge yet. I agree. I was surprised she didn't make... Sorry. At the beginning, I had her tagged for top three. Yeah. But then when she didn't get top three, it didn't really surprise me because... I don't think she believed she could have been top three. She probably went in thinking she could. Now, this this gets to the bit of rigory that I feel. The lip sync Lala Perusa is 
the only time I felt it's been genuine was the finale of Canada versus the world. I feel every time they've used it, they've used it to get rid of the person they want to get rid of. They got rid of Jasmine Kennedy in season 14. They got rid of Jax in season yes. 15. Both of them great dancers. In this, Lolita Banana, much better lip syncer like Rondam, did by far the best makeover challenge of the lot of them. Yes. And they whipped this Lollapurus thing out of nowhere and sent her home. I called big old bullshit on that. Do you think they that. made it up? Do you think they put it in? I mean, they must mind? have paid for the license for the songs. But other than that, I wonder. Do you think it was I don't their think kind could... of their wild card up their sleeve if yeah, they needed I think so. to? I think, I think that's probably more of what it was. Because. The Grand Dame didn't do a good job. No, she didn't. She didn't. And Lolita challenge. came out, her partner, she was the only one who had to make over a man. More difficult. Antonio. Now, Antonio, yes. Now, fortunately. Uh, he was a dancer like Lolita so the two of them were able to cartwheel the way I thought she, you know the the looks complimented each other they nodded to her Mexican heritage even though Kitty Smile had an issue with that you know <laughs> if there was any winner of that challenge it would have been Lolita in my eyes and I think they were like no, we need to get rid of her and they whipped this challenge out to get rid of her so I think I think you're right I think it felt based on the edit of the show and based on the performance it felt right that the top three were who the top three were but I think the performance of the queens in episode six or seven sorry left them with no choice or you know they would have had to get rid of somebody who probably deserved to be in the finale they wanted they wanted the other three in the final and they didn't want Lolita in the final I think that's what it is Yeah, and I feel hard done by because she was she's a great queen really you know could tick all the boxes she didn't do great at snatch game she was Rossi de Palma. She didn't know who any of the French people were. <laughs> so she now, couldn't she, really value with them. And am I, I like, right oh. that she's lived in France for 10 years? Yeah, plus. Yeah. She needs to know a little bit more about her culture. Yeah, to be fair. She has nearly 100,000 Instagram followers. So, <laughs> How many of them are French? <laughs> How many are Mexican? More. <laughs> also, you know, another important representation for HIV plus people as well, which I thought was a I loved when she was talking about yeah. that because I thought she took... Th- talked about it with authenticity mm-hmm. and intelligence and passion and basically she was saying that she am i right that she is hiv positive yeah. undetectable equals untransmittable and yeah. that was her message yeah which was brilliant yeah let's get into the top three who do you want to well we, we won't go for pillow with the winner who do you want to talk about first soa or la grand dame soa okay thoughts um a beautiful looks queen who had a certain amount of personality. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they played her storyline really interestingly because at the beginning it was touch and go, touch. She was a great pal of Big Bertha's. Yeah. Am I right? Are they drag sisters or something? Yeah, for a long time, I think. And I think, uh, so I mentioned that sometimes she was homeless and La Big Bertha looked after her, I think. So yeah, they were a long time. Yeah, Big Bertha the empath. So Big Bertha's 36 and so is 33. So they probably are kind of peers. Um, I I enjoyed her, but she would have been a support player for me Mm. in everything. You know, her looks were beautiful, but she wasn't a winner. Yeah, I agree. I I thought her looks were a bit hit and miss. Some she have good, some of them I thought were maybe missed the mark. Well, she has a great body. For clothes, yes. because she is She's real a fashion big, body. tall yeah. beanpole. Yeah, yeah, 100%. a coat hanger. Yeah, and great performer. Mm. So she wins the talent show with her live singing, um, which I kind of forgot about till I went back to double check. 
But actually, she's a really good lip sync performer as well. Like probably. Yes, and had to lip sync her way a few times. She was a lip sync assassin. Yes, wasn't she, she was. She was in the bottom two, episode two and episode three, which is a fun trajectory to think. You know, she looked like she was on her way out yeah. and then she made it to the end. So, a bit of a fighter, all right. Um, and definitely a point of view in drag. And I did like her. I liked her, but. I liked her, not a lot, but I liked her, yeah. as they say. But I I thought it was interesting. She won the first episode mm-hmm. and the fact that she then plummeted down like yeah. a stone for the next two. Yeah. I just thought, you know, it was an interesting little storyline twist or whatever, if one wanted to engage enough in that storyline twist. I was too busy crying over Brioche at the time, <laughs> I think. But she was the model for the acting challenge and the ball. So, like, that's a fashion and a performance challenge. So she kind of, like, normally... You're either good at one oh, no, or good at the other. On yeah. your way out the door so then, she kind of lost you? both barrels, yeah. but then she picked it back up again. Her Snatch Game performance. So I looked this up. So she played this oh, girl. Oh, yes. Who was she? I She was good, but I, I they raved about her Snatch Game performance. Belindra from Fort Bayard. So I know Fort Bayard. I looked up who this lady was. She seems to be like one of the, you know, regulars who are, you know, who works at Fort Bayard, basically. And I think she turns this... You're going to tell me what Fort Bayard is. Oh, Fort Bayard is a, it's like the crystal maze on a fort in the middle of the Atlantic. Oh. It's a TV show. TV game show. show. French one? Show. Yes. But I also think there's an American version of it as Licensed. well. Licensed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is how I'd heard of it. Um, so this, I think she, she was like the lion tamer in Fort Bayard, basically. Okay. And the, the joke that Xoa keeps making, which I can't remember now, but it's like, Valindra, blah, 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 and then turns the head slowly of the of the lion. I heard that audio being used on like YouTube memes as well. Okay, so it's obviously it's a, a joke. Thing. Yeah, and what she managed to do is give personality to this lady who never speaks, and they loved that. I think that's a clever way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, not as good as the lips, though. <laughs> I have to say the the snatch game. Didn't really do a huge amount for me because I, you know, if you don't know the people. Yeah, it is a challenge. I do try to do my research, but I couldn't really get there with most of them and know who it was. That was the one I kind of understood the most. It would have been nice to have one or two Donald Trumps. Yeah, or a Marion Cotillard. If we had La Brioche now, get her to do her Marion Cotillard would be fun. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. so I liked, I think top three is fair. Definitely not a winner. Mm -hmm. Was La Grande Dame a winner for you? Do you know, I loved La Grande Dame and I loved, in true X Factor parlance, her journey. La Grande Dame is 22. La Grande Dame, how tall is La Grande Dame? Oh, I don't know. Six foot something. Seven foot. Yeah. But, I mean, she is, again, another amazing body for fashion. Mm. Her style was off the charts. Her style was absolutely beautiful. Six I, foot five. Oh, I, actually, I thought she might, even might be a bit taller. Well, that's without heels, so yeah. Mm. Um, now, while Cam Hugh was my favourite in terms of looks, they were more kind of out there looks, whereas yeah. La Grande Dame is very much a fashion queen. And actually, before we were talking about Naomi Smalls, you know, that kind yes. of fashion yeah. queen. Really Limbs amazing. for days. Yeah, just just stunning, 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 mm-hmm. stunning. And, you know... Her one of her fi- her final look was originally made for Lady Gaga that she managed to get her hands yeah, on. You know, it's, she's a smart girl, mm-hmm. um, has an amazing backstory, and I don't know who it was in the judging panel that actually I think it was Nikki that said, or maybe it was 
Stephanie, I can't remember. But basically what they were saying was, you, you, you know, you started as quite aloof. I didn't know where you were going. Yeah. I didn't know what you were doing. And as Drag Race went on, you opened up, you became more vulnerable, you became a star. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, definitely aloof. I don't know if I feel the aloofness dropped enough for me to get to know her. Um, but at the end when she spoke about how her mom... say, what more do you need to know? <laughs> I did know a lot about it by the end. But when she said, I haven't cried in three years, I was like, there we go. That's why you obviously don't let people in a lot for whatever trauma you have in your past with your mom, abandoning you, etc. Um, that, that, that was the arm's distance I was feeling, I think, was... She hadn't cried in three years, basically. So she obviously doesn't get emotional very much. I think what was interesting is, she's 22. She said she left home when she was 14 because her father had left already. Her mother, single mother. Yeah, wouldn't accept homosexuality. Or marriage equality or any of those things. So she left the house and went into foster care, had two different foster families and reunited with her mother, who she now has a good relationship with. Last year, when she was 21. Yeah. So this is all very raw and very, very new. new. For her. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on for her during the pandemic as well. You know, I mean, uh, there, mm. is a, there is a big story there. And the fact this is, it all basically came out in the last episode. Oh, she talked previously quite early on. She talked about how she'd been bullied and beaten up and everything at school. Yes. And she Honestly, really the show doesn't time. give you much hope for being a queer teenager in France. Between that and Paloma not having any friends... But we'll get to that. But yeah. yeah. She bullied in school. Mom abandoned her. So you can imagine the, you know, the trauma that you'd carry with that. So you can understand why you'd be aloof. Um, but she did have this... I mean, some of the people in the show looked incredibly French. And she was one of the most French as well. Like, she does this, this, like... Always, like, even when she's not smiling, she's kind of smiling as well. It's almost like the Mona Lisa smile that she has kind of thing. I thought she... Now, she was... A very, very tall, much bigger Violet Chachi. Yeah. That or, was or even her face. Aquarius. Oh, yeah. Face, yeah. Face Coloring and everything. Violet Chachi. Yes, and 100%. then there was a lot of kind of corsets going on. But now, I mean, she's two Violet Chachis, I'd say. Yeah. You know, in terms of yeah. size. And then there was a sort of a David Byrne, Stop Making Sense, big blocky suit. Mm, you know, at one stage, yeah. you know, in, in um, their own wardrobe. Very stylish. Very, very stylish. Best fashion out of drag, for sure. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, some amazing looks in drag. Like, they all were very slender. Like, she never really went big. There was always very, like, a slender... Very fitted. Yeah, fitted, chic finish to it all. Like, I think her most iconic one was the big black ma... Ma France Amois look. Oh, that was amazing. The Brittany, yeah. the Brittany doll kind of yes. thing. I don't know. I can remember when I was a kid and we would go, we used to go to France on camping holidays in the summer and there were always these Brittany dolls. I don't even know if they're still around okay. anymore that were dressed up in buckets of black lace. Yeah. So there's a sort of a tall little tarry hat and then a big juicy black lace mm. dress and she dressed up as one of these. But even how she got onto the stage, yeah. she was crouched down on her hunkers walking in boggles the mind <laughs> she did that incredible yeah really really incredible I really loved her Jean-Paul Gaultier look with all the white belts and the white boots and then the long pink pigtails you weren't a fan better Gaultier looks than I have to say I mean that's why I thought the distant comment was kind of good at the beginning okay I didn't get her it took I think I'll... the Brittany doll was the first time the used condom dress yeah I didn't get that one and did you remember she I actually made a note Saying the grand time is a bit obsessed about wanking. 
I mean, you're still pretty virile when you're 22. <laughs> she boy. Had, she spat in her used condom dress. That was the first. Yeah. And then remember the pop stars challenge? She was kind of yeah. doing all sorts of strange dancing movements. Yeah. She couldn't like, dance. She wasn't a great dancer. No. And how she, quote, beat Lolita Blana in the lip sync Lollapurza is uh, beyond me. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, from the runway point of view, deserved to be top three, I think, as well. And I did well at Snatch Game. In fact, won Snatch Game. As, Brilliant in Snatch Game. As a former Miss World who's now a yoga mom. Now, I did watch this. I did find like a YouTube interview with this lady. It didn't really feel it sound like her at all. But again, it's a caricature, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah. So that brings us to our winner, Paloma, 30-year-old from Clement Ferrand. Uh always to me looked like one of the characters from a nightmare before christmas like incredibly french i thought it looked like Which alaska oh, okay uh, like a french alaska a french alaska. alaska and i thought it was really interesting because in the makeover challenge mm-hmm. they brought out their friends yeah and um paloma paloma's friend is was a girl camilla and who was they, also incredibly french looking and looked like he, Hugo Paloma's sister. Yeah. Um, and uh, they apparently spent lockdown watching. He was going, I remember sitting down watching Drag Race 6 together. And of course, I know Alaska was Drag Race 5, but I was going like, mm. they must have gone on to 5 to get to 6. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there, there might have been huge influence. But it's mad to think that they've, like, we're in saying then they've only been doing drag since lockdown. Has Paloma only been doing drag yeah. since? Well, definitely Alaska influence i don't know i don't like they're older than that i'm not sure 30 yeah so maybe they were doing it for longer but yeah i just thought again a very french like just incredibly french looking all the references were so french they're obsessed like i mean i just feel it's a classic french gay guy to be obsessed with milan Farmé. you know it's it's perfect i i must say i absolutely loved paloma yeah i liked her too i I found myself really for other people slightly more, but maybe it's because I knew she was going to win. But I was always excited to see what she was going to do. Totally surprised when she won. Oh, who do you think was going to win? Le Grand Tom. Okay. Or actually, either of them, or Soa, because he Soa is the future in inverted commas. Yeah. The one I thought wouldn't win was Paloma, oh, because her dancing was so bad and she was out of time. But I think yeah. that kind of endeared everybody in the end. Now, I I must say, I I was drawn to Paloma at the challenge where she came out in the Erte number, the silver yes. number. Where I can't remember what the challenge was. Oh, was it was it the Haute Couture? Yeah, Haute Couture, yeah. Which was episode eight? Six. Six. Oh, yeah. okay. Um and she came out in this amazing gear through an illustration, because Erte was a great fashion illustrator of mm-hmm. I think the nineteen twenties. And there's a very, very Art Deco vibe about Paloma. Yeah. 100%. Everything is kind of 1920s, 1930s. Um, and I, I really, really, really loved her. But I didn't think she was going to win. I thought she was going to be like absolutely d- wouldn't win. In the context of that, of, you know, so being the future of drag, it really actually did feel like a past, present, a future. You know, the Grand Am is the present, current, contemporary, chic. Plomo is looking backwards and so is looking forwards in a way. That's it this week. Come back next week for part two of this chat with Melanie Morris. See you then.